You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. This episode of Max's Island is a little different. We have two guests, both expatriate West Australians, who are in total isolation in lockdown in Melbourne, Victoria. Their stories are both a little bit different, but a fair bit the same. I know you'll enjoy them. Today on Max's Island, I'm talking to Kate O'Hara. Welcome to Max's Island, Kate. Hello, Tony. Thanks for inviting me to be part of your program and hopefully share an experience or two that uh, might be of interest to at least you. Thanks, Kate. And I'm sure it'll be of interest to our listeners as well. So, Kate, you're now locked down in Melbourne. You've been working there for over a year, but you are a native West Australian. You were able to previously come back and forth to WA. You're now, I guess, stranded in Melbourne. Perhaps you can tell us your story of, of what you're experiencing at the moment and some of the things that perhaps are, are different for you and are challenging for you. So I'm stuck in the lockdown of Victoria, which for the rest of the country seems to be a very foreign place. And for anyone who has options outside of Victoria, it is a very foreign place. So the situation for me was one of fly in, fly out. I'd been coming into Melbourne for over two years now. And um, by March, I was a year and a half of fly in, fly out, having businesses both in Western Australia and working on some contract work here in Melbourne. And the opportunities in Melbourne uh, were placed there for me after 21 years corporate world with property group Hawaiian and the growth opportunity for me from that corporate level position was to go to a bigger marketplace. So that's how Melbourne drew me in and a great opportunity working with a great building company. That's interesting, Kate, because we, you know, obviously being in WA, when the mining industry, there's a lot of fly in, fly out into Perth or into the mine, into the Pilbara. Um, so for people to be flying from Perth to Melbourne for work, that's, you know, it's probably not that common. Well, it, it felt like that at the beginning, but the more you flew, the more you got to see the faces you know from Perth who are over here a lot. And I have a few colleagues who, like me, were stuck once the um, government here in Melbourne said we're going to go into lockdown and we all expected it to start on a Wednesday and it didn't, it started on a Monday. So to arrange between Sunday and Monday night to get out 
wasn't as what we expected. We thought we'd have a bit more time. So there's a number of us stuck here in Melbourne that all had no intention to be in this position. So it's a state of play, but it's, it's what you deal with and it's presented points of great focus just as much as it's presented points of great frustration. So from a focus point of view, what's something that um, stands out for you? Is it because you're locked at home all the time, so therefore you can uh, concentrate on what you're doing? Is it because people are more precious with their time? And so when you're exchanging briefs or discussions that people are more accurate and more uh, succinct, what's the primary thing that helps that focus? Well, I think in my case, it's uh, the reality is I'm a very social person. So business was always done over lunch or breakfast or drinks after work or a dinner. And that can be very distracting. So the meeting content of those catch-ups was usually about a tenth of the meeting and the rest of it was just enjoying the company and eating and drinking too much. So the reality of working from a set location, indoors, lockdown is you stick to the meeting and you spend less time on the distraction of socialising and and engaging with each other. It saves a lot of money, uh, but it's pretty focused in how quickly you get through the business at hand as much as it is um, you aren't distracted on other things so you can actually achieve more during a day. So there's there's a good side to it, but you do find that you'll work longer hours for some, they're worried about people working from home having productivity uh, outcomes and they worry that they might be hanging the washing out at mid-morning or they might be dealing with pets or something. I think for most, it's not a case of that at all. I don't know anyone who is not doing a good 14 to 16 hour day because not only is there the work to do and you're focused on it, there's no distractions or less distractions And everyone is just driven to prove their value so they're not part of a program of trimming overhead and trimming resources. So the companies that you're working for and you're contracting to in Melbourne, how have they been affected and how has that impacted on your work with them? So I work directly with the building company that at the beginning of the program, I moved from the beginning of the COVID program, I moved from a full-time position to a part-time consultancy and that worked for both of us. But the uh, reality of the impact on the building industry and the critical service for those that are structured the right way has been actually a very good outcome if you look at the numbers. So And you can see this just published. The industry has had a strong response to the home builder program. The number of deposits and um, contracts and site starts are stable, but there's no question it has drawn part of the market forward. So what could happen come March or June next year in that sector is very unsure. And without the population variable of migration, it puts that whole sector at risk. So uh, the client side from the building industry, it's been solid. Um, The government incentives have been very, very good, um, but the long-term impact of that uh, is being forecast. So lots of different models are in place for should the same rate of growth or the same rate of sales continue, 
as compared to a fall off the cliff because we've drawn so much the market forward and there's no replacement buyers coming in off immigration? I guess that's something that we're all anticipating or or thinking about the future. Not only, you know, the next two months, yeah, there's some surety, but yeah, what is going to happen in, in six, 12, 18 months time? How much business, as you've rightfully pointed out, has been drawn forward? How much is there going to be new opportunities opening up? You know, will, will the, the business model uh, be re, reformed that makes it uh, more profitable, but also sales are different and come in at different rates and at different levels? Well, the channel for sales is no question changed and the importance of your digital experience is heightened. So most industries uh, and particularly construction and residential building has definitely taken that step. So that will transition to much more efficient systems and some impact on overhead. Sure, I'm not privy to all the detail of the numbers across the sector or even for my clients' business, but it's not hard to see the change in how they're resourcing. So I'm also seeing the technology sector, that's the other businesses I've got um, in, in the digital space, they are going very well and growing. So it's not just the shift from face-to-face, it's the complement. I think in Australia what we'll see is the first reality of omni-channel you know, and that's something that's talked about so much but delivered so little in Australia. And uh, we'll, we'll see those uh, engagement, the intertwining of the digital and the physical will become more evident and become more real for us as Australian consumers at all levels. So it's been um, a very interesting suite of changes. And because in Victoria, the change, the the restrictions have been going for so long the rollout has been brought forward for many preliminary initiatives so you cannot survive with this time frame march through to what will be mid-september if not longer is such a period of time that no matter the sector if you're not heading towards omni-channel sales or customer engagement you just are not going to survive have you tried to get back to Perth and what would be the process for doing that? We hear a lot about, you know, there's anecdotal evidence in the newspapers, in the media and on social media of people being stuck in Melbourne and claiming hardship. What is the process of getting back if you can get back and if you wanted to get back? I've, I've applied through GG, the online app, uh, to get back. And on compassionate grounds, I have an elderly mother in um, a uh, nursing facility and um, uh, her state of health is not great, but uh, she's not in her final days by any means, but it was time for an annual review and uh, I was flatly told no. It's it's a pretty bad perspective the rest of the country seems to have on anyone coming in and um, it's the the impost the cost impost of having to pay for your own accommodation is is incredibly arduous and of course now um things being at the level of restriction here in melbourne it just makes it worse yes it's interesting being a west australian you understand the level of parochialism we have over here and we're very protective of the environment as of today and there's not a lot of negative opinion and discourse around 
oh, we should be loosening some of these ties. You know, there's, there's, it's very strong and very consistent that we say we're safe and we want to continue to protect ourselves and, and that's the most important thing. And I think everyone from this side can appreciate that. But from the perspective where, you know, I know Perth intimately inside out and I've got an adult son in my house, uh, <laughs> managing it in a way I would not call quite appropriate to my standards, just, just by the way, just quietly. Perth's never reflect. I've never reflected on Perth so warmly and so adoringly as as now. Melbourne's a great city and all of that, but when you compare the natural environment and all that's on offer in Perth as compared to Melbourne without cafes, Melbourne without bars, Melbourne without restaurants, for God's sake, seriously, what, there's you can't go to a gallery, you can't go to a show, you can't. Everything that is you, what you long for of Melbourne, it's all turned off. So Perth has such an appeal and uh, is treasured even more so because of uh, you get all those things. You may not get them in the volume, but you get all of those things and then you get just such a beautiful place. You just have uh, a much greater appreciation for everything that's there. Kate, are you trying to plan for a future after Melbourne or are you just simply focused on surviving every week as it comes along or every month or every day i'm just really interested in the level of your thought processes and whether you allow yourself the opportunity to think too far down the track i don't think you can't i think you're always going to model up something in those moments of selfish thought between thought that's towards a billing uh there's the agency side of me um <laughs> but the the situation really is one of um cope every day, but no, we'll get to the end of this. That's okay, we'll get to the end of this. What I think is really evident though is uh, you can actually, we've learned here that you can actually work remotely quite effectively. So where you, you know, I would think if you're going to work on a client based in a certain um, town or join a team in a certain location, the reality is no longer are we, are we going to say to each other, um, you're sick, work, you have to go home and there's no working from home. Well, now everyone's got virtual private networks linked in. They've got all of the systems set up at home. They're technically capable to be as if they are in the office. So you can work from anywhere, wherever you're set up. So in terms of the, the activity, the business activity I'm engaged in, it's in one part, consulting work, um, that could be, I could be in Paris or Fiji doing this. And I'm, I'm running remote news shoots and, and video records and interviews. And it wouldn't matter if I was 10 kilometres down the road. I still wouldn't be able to drive there in Melbourne at the moment because we only allowed five kilometres, right? Or I was 10,000 kilometres away. So the, the ability to operate remotely is an absolute demonstrated fact and everyone's set up for it. So the potential to plan forward, not just in the consulting work, but in the, the managing of the two other businesses, the other businesses I run are both based in Perth. And I communicate more effectively, you know, through email and phone with them because it's very focused. As I said, you're not so distracted and you're not, the time between driving from spot to spot is not happening. So, uh, but I could be running those businesses, as I said, from anywhere else in the world. And that reality means 
well, post-COVID, what could, what, what could be a location? And I don't know that uh, it needs to be necessarily anywhere. It could be back in WA. It could be, it could be overseas. It could be, who knows? Can I say, if there's a silver lining to the situation in Victoria, being locked down for so much longer than, say, we have in WA, is just that, and that you will become far more comfortable and the, the whole remote nature of doing business will become ingrained. Because I have discovered in Perth, going back into the office environment, the level of presenteeism and wasted, wasted time sitting in meetings and waiting for meetings to start and waiting for meetings to finish and, and um, you know, a 15-minute meeting that actually you're in a boardroom takes 45 minutes just simply because there's a forum for everybody to talk, uh, which is perhaps a different dynamic than talking over, over Zoom or uh, Microsoft Teams or whatever it might be. I think some in, in WA, some businesses have possibly fallen back to the old way and haven't taken advantage of this opportunity to, to have a more efficient and effective workforce. The fact that you've experienced it for longer may very well mean that uh, you will be more adaptable in the new world when things um, sort of level, level themselves out a little bit more. Perhaps we're just going to have relationships with people that are actually true and meaningful to us rather than forging relationships we have to because of a workplace environment. We'll have functional, effective working relationships and hopefully we'll get more time to focus on the really meaningful relationships. Separate to yeah. that, because we're not being called to or feeling obligated to invest in uh, relationships that are more part of the hierarchy and politics of an organisation um, than is necessary. That does, that does not seem to happen on uh, work from home or virtual working environments. Yeah, so I think there's a good side to that and a bad side to that. I think there's a good side is that you do value your time more and therefore are more discerning about those relationships and where you do spend your time with people and whether it be virtually or the few people you are able to spend physical time with. But at the other hand, we are social beings and um, you don't want to miss that buzz of um, bumping into somebody that you've never met before and they've got a great and interesting story and, and it, it creates a whole lot of uh, new ideas and new thoughts and experiences for you. Yeah, it's, it's challenging and I think we're all facing that and we're all dealing with it in, in different ways. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to change the fact that what was will never return. So I don't think, I don't think any long-term successful business is going to be what it was two years ago ever again. I really think we're going to see such a shift in those that are going to maximise the opportunities ahead because the consumer's changed. I run an influencer agency business and we have never been busier because people have never had their faces in their phones so much. It is yeah. out of control. Yes, I, I really do agree with you that those businesses that in five, ten years' time will look back will be the ones that really drove hard out of this space changed their business model, really looked at that and just embraced doing things differently and um, achieving more with, with less or, doing, as I say, doing it just differently. Same resources well, maybe and more outcomes. Yes, that's, that's probably a better way of looking at it. Well, Kate, thank you very much for taking the time to chat today. I'm sure our listeners will be on Max's Island. We're really fascinated to 
to hear your experiences and, and what it's like being locked down in Melbourne. Um, good luck for the future and um, certainly stay safe. Will do. And thank you for taking the time to chat, Tony. Pleasure to have a reprieve from the monotony of the normal day. I'm talking to Misty Farquhar. Hi, Misty. Hi, Tony. Misty is another expatriate from WA who is stuck in Melbourne. And I think it's uh, really interesting to hear your story about how you got there and what you've been doing to try to get home and what are the challenges that you're facing? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. When did you get to Melbourne? I got to Melbourne early in June. I, um, I came here, so I have a partner um, in Melbourne and, and, and a partner in Perth. So I came to Melbourne to see my Melbourne partner. Uh, we hadn't seen each other for three months and were really keen to reunite. Uh, I made sure that I had my return pass all approved before I left. And um, yeah, and I intended to stay here for four weeks. That's interesting that um, going to Melbourne in June is you know, well into the pandemic. And obviously even in WA, we were actually starting to come out of the, the, the lockdown situation. So it's interesting that that was the time that you traveled to a place that hadn't quite yet had the second wave or had, had the situation that's facing now. So you were, really were a victim of circumstance. Yeah, for sure. And I actually ended up extending my stay for a week, which is where it all fell apart, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> if I had just come back when I'd planned to, it would have, um, I would be home now. What are you doing with your time in Melbourne? Well, I'm, I'm really lucky to have uh, a place to stay with my partner. I'm really lucky to have work that I can do remotely. So I, I'm teaching at Curtin and I'm doing that online and, and I'm working on my PhD. So all of that stuff can be done remotely, which is, which is really lucky. And I know the PhD has been a passion of yours for a few years. Is this time giving you the opportunity to really get your teeth into it? I mean... That's what, that's what I'd like to be doing, yes. <laughs> but it's, um, I guess the, it's, it's difficult to anticipate the toll something like this can take on your mental health uh, until you're actually in the midst of it. And, and doing a PhD is quite mentally taxing and you need to have a lot of um, not only time and space, but you need to have the brain space. So uh, actually my PhD has been going slower than I would like. When you found out that it was going to be difficult to get back, and you just mentioned the, you know, the mental health impacts, how long did it take you to realise that actually this might be a problem for an extended period of time? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it took a long time, and that, it was that period of time that my mental health really started to take a nosedive. So you know, for, for a while, uh, when my when my pass to return to Western Australia got cancelled, I um, was told to reapply. And I thought, because it was two days before I was supposed to fly back to Perth, I thought that they might approve it before my flight. So I kept my flight. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the day before, my approval hadn't come through. So I 
rescheduled my flight to the following week because I thought, oh, maybe it'll just take a few extra days. And I just, I just kept not hearing back um, and rescheduling my flight. So I ended up uh, cancelling my flight because I just needed some certainty. It, it felt like I was in limbo and that's a really awful feeling. Was that the West Australian government that was cancelling your permit? Yes, so the Western Australian government cancelled my permit when uh, things started escalating in Victoria. And um, so they sent me an email and said, we've cancelled your pass, you'll need to reapply, uh, which I did. And then um, I think it was a couple of weeks later, my second application was denied. And do, is there any support in Melbourne from the West Australian government or is it all just online as an anonymous person? <laughs> Yeah, that's a yeah. No, there is absolutely no support. I, there, after a, after a good half hour of hunting around on the internet, I did find a, a helpline that you can call. Uh, but the person I spoke to was a volunteer, and um, and didn't really. They weren't really sure if I should reapply, and they 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 weren't really clear. It so I think they cancelled a whole bunch of these passes on mass without really putting uh, processes in place to support that. Have you got any idea of how many expat West Australians are, are stuck in Melbourne? No, I don't actually. But I, what I did, I read an article the other day that said that there are 20,000 Australians stuck overseas. Um, but I haven't really seen too much about people being stuck in other states in Australia. What I've been telling myself is that I'm, I'm in a really lucky position and I don't have one of those crisis stories. And there are people who do have those crisis stories and I would prefer them to be prioritised, but that doesn't diminish the mental health impacts of, of being exiled from your home. You mentioned you, you have a partner there, so there's some great support. Yeah. But I guess from a point of view of you know, time to yourself or at least getting some exercise, you're restricted to one hour a day. <laughs> it, yeah, it's one hour a day and it has to be between 5am and 8pm. And we've been making the most of that, walking the dog around the neighbourhood. We're not allowed to travel more than five kilometres away from our house. So, but, you know, no one's going to walk that far anyway. Just, <laughs> just a round trip. Yeah. Well, and I guess you're lucky because I know how much of a dog person you are and um, like myself. And so it's, Good that you've got a furry friend over there with you as well. Oh, it would have been so hard if there wasn't a dog here. I can't be without dogs. And are you FaceTiming your, your pets back home? I, yeah, I am. It's actually, it's interesting that the, um, the, the first lockdown or the lockdown in Perth, there was a lot of Zooming. There was a lot of Zoom parties and catching up with people. And, and it's different this time um, because I think it's because it's Victoria kind of on its own. People aren't as eager to, to be doing those Zoom catch-ups and there's more phone calls with my family. I do Zoom with uh, my partner in WA and, and I get to see my dogs there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's largely um, phone calls with, with people back home. Well, I hope your pets in Perth are being warped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've almost forgotten me. <laughs> so I do notice also on um, some of your social media posts, 
your mum's looking after you with some some welfare packs <laughs> my mum has been an absolute lifesaver it's like she always knows when to call me or message me and she's she's recently retired so she has a lot more time for me <laughs> so she's in very regular contact and has sent me a couple of care packages so far lots and lots of um indian treats which is excellent because i don't know where to get them here in victoria so <laughs> So what do you think your next step will be with regard getting a permit back into WA? Or, and, and again, as I said before, is there anybody or any place that's able to give you some meaningful advice? I don't think I can get meaningful advice. I think it's really just looking at other people who have successfully got their application approved and seeing what the circumstances were for them. So I think for me to be able to say, well, I've had a COVID test and it was negative. I've been in isolation the entire time I've been here and I can quarantine at home. You know, all of those types of things, I guess, it's just pulling all of that together. I think, you know, letters from therapists and GPs and workplaces, yeah, all of those things help. But I, I wonder if it's just best to wait until stage four lockdown has finished in Victoria. I feel as though while Victoria is in the situation it's in right now, it's unlikely to get an approval to enter WA. What do you think the normal will be in Melbourne for people that you know there after they're able to, um, this current stage is, is loosened up a little bit? Do you think they will go back to the way it was or start adopting some, some different ways of living their lives? I think that um, once once this stage four lockdown is finished, it will probably go back to stage three, which is what lockdown looked like in Western Australia when we had lockdown. So it's still it's still going to be hard for a period. I think if we ever get to a point where we don't have to worry so much about COVID over here in Victoria, I think people will probably be wearing masks a lot more just generally, at least until there's a vaccine. Masks have become a fashion accessory in Victoria, as you know, Victoria does. Um, and um, I'm certainly not going to be letting go of my peacock mask anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I think things are going to be weird. And I, and I do think they're going to be weird for a long time, uh, at, least, at least until there's a vaccine for this thing. Have you had any sort of revelations about your life or things that are more important than other things? And, and it's sort of giving you some clarity about that you know having that time to yourself to think um yeah yeah i suppose so i think one of the things i mentioned to you um in our phone call before was that i really enjoy my clothes and shoes a lot more than i thought <laughs> <laughs> I, I only i only have I only have four weeks worth of clothes and shoes with me. And because I had a busted ankle when I came over, there were only some shoes that I could bring. So that was quite limited selection. And that's been really hard because, you know, it, it turns out I dressed to my mood. So when I packed, I must have been in quite a brown mood. And, <laughs> and I'm not often in a brown mood. So now I've just got all these brown clothes. It's weird. Um, I think on a more serious note, I think I realise how, how little I need to be out and about. I, I'm not, being out and about is not a big deal for me. Being inside a house is fine. And 
I think it's more about the quality of connections that I make. So, you know, with the first lockdown, I was just going to every Zoom thing I was invited to. And now um, I realise that my energy is best kept for, you know, those quality interactions that I would choose in, in person. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that is, is a common thread with a lot of people I've spoken to. Not only um, people who are in Melbourne and New South Wales where things are a little tighter, but also just people in Perth. I think those are, those have gone through some sort of lockdown period. That's a revelation that is, is quite common that, yeah, we, we do spend a lot of time connecting with people and some of those are more precious than others. And mm. when, when, you, when you miss some of those... You, when there's the opportunity is not there to, to to have those interactions, you really do value the ones that are important to you and the ones that are most meaningful. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's been interesting doing a lockdown in Perth and a lockdown in Melbourne because I think when I was in Perth, it was novel to be able to hang out with friends of mine from all over the country. But but now I just want to hang out with people from Perth. Like I, I, that's the only people I want to speak to are people in Perth. I don't want to speak to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> now, for our listeners on Max's Island, we're doing this over Zoom and, and we, we can see each other. Behind you is a full bookcase of books. I, I, they look like books. They're not DVDs. I think they're books. So have you read any of them? Have they been a source of relaxation for you? Oh, my goodness. You know, the one thing I really haven't done any of this entire time is reading. We've actually, some of those are, are DVDs. Okay. Um, we've, been, we've been watching a lot of Netflix and a lot of movies. But, yeah, not, not really doing any... Re reading is something that I need to be doing for my PhD. So whenever I'm reading, it feels like work. <laughs> So, yeah, so no, no reading at all. So just as we start to sign off, you mentioned watching, binge-watching a bit of Netflix. What's your, been your go-to show, series over the last couple of weeks? Okay, we've gone through a lot. Queer Eye has been a highlight for me that is incredibly wholesome and so good right now at a time <laughs> like this. And right now, we're in the process of watching uh, Indian matchmaking, which is incredible. It's this woman from Mumbai who is a matchmaker, so for arranged uh, marriages. And it's interesting when they're doing um, these setups in the US because these are, you know, Indian Americans that have grown up in a Western culture but are still looking for that kind of traditional way of meeting people. Well, Misty, it's great to see you and to hear that you're coping reasonably well in, in Melbourne in lockdown. Look forward to seeing you back in Perth in the very near future. Have you got anything you might want to say to some of your West Australian friends who might be listening to this podcast? I think I'd like people to have a bit of empathy for people who didn't get home in the last six months. I know Mark McGowan made comments of, you know, people should have come home before now, but... I only travelled because I knew I was going to be able to get back and then the rules changed. And, and there's lots of people who've got stuck in circumstances like that. So, yeah, have a bit of empathy for people who didn't make it back in time. Well, Misty, thanks for joining us on Max's Island. It's lovely to see you, lovely to, to hear your story and keep well and look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks, Tony. 
spoke on the bus on the way home from work he was lost in the details of life each day was a blur oh work and no play and how how it had turned out this way he told me his plan a short-term escape five weeks on the bible and track go it alone no one to blame if he finished or fell by the way no one's an island but sometimes it's good to pretend His mind was as clear as the sky Completely alone, no emails or phone and 